What's up? It's Brent. Welcome back to Burgundy Blogcast on a Wednesday night. We're going to talk about a franchise-altering shift at the most important position for the Washington Redskins. Whoo, boy. Did that really just happen? Did that happen? Did that happen? I'm still not sure. It's been over 24 hours, but um, pretty hard to believe. Alex Smith is a Redskin, or maybe not technically yet, but uh, destined to be one in the next six weeks or so. Holy cow. Did not see that one coming. Or maybe could have envisioned that one eventually coming, but not now, and not quite exactly like this. Can't say I called it, but um, let's talk about it a little bit. Um, I'm disappointed to say that it's just me on this podcast. I was hoping to have my boy Hayes, my regular co-host, Hayes Permar from Sports Channel 8. Really wanted to chat this out with him, and I do intend to. And of course, he and I will have the opportunity to on Burgundy Blogcast, I'm sure, quite a bit in the coming days, weeks, and months. But um, we couldn't make it work tonight. Uh, So my convo with Hayes will have to wait. Um, But I wanted to get out some thoughts onto the audio internet airwaves here while they were sort of fresh in my head and after I've had now a pretty good while here to uh, to digest and deliberate. First off, I want to start by explaining the fairly atypical way in which I came to become aware of the momentous news from last night. And in looking at my timeline, um, that that string of events... <laughs> As this, uh, as as news of this trade or impending trade was unfolding, is I think reminiscent of that night five years ago, prior to the draft, when the Redskins unofficially swung the trade for the number two overall pick that would eventually become Robert Griffin. And I'm sure many of y'all remember scrolling crazily through Twitter into the wee hours that night. Uh, learning and reading and and celebrating <laughs> about what was to come, and I, I think that maybe in terms of uh, digital media and Twitter specifically, that last night's news sort of felt like maybe the biggest, craziest uh, time it, it condensed at least into a short period since maybe maybe that night five years ago, I think. But um, <laughs> whereas typically I would be uh, sort of refreshing right along with you guys and um and and as up to speed as anyone uh last night wasn't the best night for me i had a major massive horrible migraine and wouldn't you know it started 5 or 10 minutes before all this started happening um actually i was i was supposed to be joining my buddy uh ken and colleagues kevin and tim on their uh uh, off season on the brink podcast for Hogshaven last night, and I had to bail because of this brutal migraine, which really got so bad that I was spending the night literally incapacitated until about five thirty this morning. So I missed it. I straight up missed it in real time. Didn't get to see any of that stuff unfold. Caught it all this morning. Woke up and peeped my Twitter. Had fifteen text messages and seven DMs, and I'd missed forty. 3,000 tweets about uh, the the changing of the guard at the quarterback position for my Redskins. And that's when I started processing it um, in bed, in the dark, in the wee hours of this morning. 
And then, of course, pretty much all day today since then, uh, to the exclusion of all of my duties, both at work and at home. What else is new? So I've been tweeting about it already quite a bit today. Uh, at Burgundy Blog, most of you already check me out on there, I suppose. But here's my chance to add a little bit of inflection to some of my ideas about this deal. And man, it is so complicated. There are just so, so many moving parts here. When you talk about the player the Redskins are getting, the player the Redskins are losing, the money that will or will not be changing hands, the pick the Redskins are losing, the other very important player the Redskins will be losing, namely Kendall Fuller, and a host of other angles from which this thing can be viewed and will be on here and every other DMV sports outlet for the next several months. First of all, you guys know very well from my many uh, ramblings that I was and am a Kirk Cousins guy. Maybe not from the very, very beginning, although I distinctly recall thinking and tweeting and blogging that I thought selecting Kirk Cousins in the fourth round back in 2012 when Shanny did it was a good idea and potentially even a franchise-saving or steadying move in the unexpected event of major catastrophic failure to QB1 at the time, Robert Griffin. And wouldn't you know it, for a variety of reasons, that eventually did come to pass. So I was glad that they drafted him and glad that they developed him. And certainly I admit in the early part of his career to becoming a little bit concerned about his penchant for turnovers. And there were times when I was hardly confident that he would eventually become a standout player. But over the course of the now famous breakout second half of his first season as a starter, which was the 2015 season, during those final eight games when he really lit the world on fire and eventually delivered the Redskins to a very unexpected playoff berth, by then I believed, and since then I have believed, that he is and will be, even more so in the future, a fully legitimate franchise caliber starting quarterback and somebody to whom I'm very comfortable hitching my wagon. I like Kirk Cousins as a player, I respect him and trust him as a person, and I really, really wanted it to work out between the Redskins and this homegrown talent. This easily likable, rootable underdog story. But man, oh man, did it go down in flames. And uh, I'm bummed. I'm bummed to see him go. He is obviously going, and it disappoints me. Um, my ideal scenario did not include him leaving the team in 2018, which is what's about to happen. So... I want to be very clear, I'm not really pumped overall about what's going on here. I'm extremely disappointed in the Redskins as an organization and as a group that they let it get to this. I think Kirk Cousins' um, skills in tandem with Jay Gruden's coaching and scheming has been consistently successful for the offense, even this year in the absence of many key playmakers due to injury. I think it absolutely could have and would have developed even further and form the foundation of a playoff and eventually maybe even Super Bowl caliber offense. And I wanted it to go there, but obviously it didn't. It collapsed. And the key thing, which I've really been nodding my head to every time I've seen it emphasized on Twitter today, and I've done a little bit of that myself, but the key thing here, no matter how much everyone wants to just move forward and, and, and put the pass in the pass and sweep it all under the rug, the crux of all of this is that this this untidy, undesirable outcome was really set in motion or, or, or maybe even fixed in place, I think, at two, two junctures, but, but mainly two years ago, after that first season um, of his starting, when, when uh, by all accounts, Kirk Cousins would have accepted a long-term deal 
averaging about $19 million a year, which of course right now would be looking like a supreme value. But the Redskins failed to see the value in it then, and they passed on it. They blew it. That was their big chance, and really a singular chance that I and many others identified and acknowledged at the time, not in hindsight, but in plain sight, in 2015. In March of 2016, I think it was clear and predictable then that he was deserving of legitimate starting quarterback money and that the move was to get in on the ground floor to do it then, to lock him up. He'd still be under the team's control now at a, at a bargain of a salary. I thought then, and I still think in hindsight, that he showed enough for them to have known. And he had been in the building for years at that point. They should have known what they had in him. They should have made him happy then. They should have proposed then and gotten it done, and we'd still be dancing. But nope, they underestimated and undervalued him then. They did so again in March of 2017 by offering him a clearly well-below-market contract, and they also screwed up by deciding not to trade him at that point when I, I think it should have been clear to both sides, based on their interactions, even if it was not yet clear to me and many fans, that they would never consummate. They, they should have traded him. They should have traded him in March of last year or at some point over the course of the 2017 season when they could have gotten something pretty nice and sweet in terms of draft compensation. But they didn't. They didn't do it. They missed it. They swung and missed uh, on, their, on their few chances to, um, to handle this correctly. And they alienated him. So they are responsible for him not wanting to be in Washington. I want to be very clear that that is my strong impression and opinion. Um, Kirk didn't want to be here, but they are the reason. I don't believe that he got drafted thinking and, and assuming and expecting and hoping and praying one day that he would be able to switch teams. I mean, who does? He's acknowledged many times he knows he's, he's well aware of the benefits, especially to a quarterback, of playing your entire career with one team. And he would have wanted it to be that way under ideal circumstances. And I know the RG3, RG3 thing made it... Less than ideal, even from the beginning. But if they had figured it out, if they had, if they had, having had him in the building for a year, two years, three years, and seen what he could be, and then seeing what he became, if they had just figured it out and made him feel comfortable and embraced him, he'd have wanted it to work. He'd have trusted them. He'd have believed in them and in himself here in this setting, and he wouldn't have wanted to leave. And he might have made some concessions eventually, and he might have agreed to a more team-friendly contract. So yes, I know that it takes two to tango and that he wasn't willing, but I blame the Redskins for that. It's their fault that he didn't want to stay and play here. He didn't want to stay because Bruce Allen is terrible and Dan Snyder is terrible. And the way they treated Scott McLuhan in the end was terrible and very unprofessional. So they alienated him. They pushed him away. They blew it. And that's why he wanted out. Now, that said, all of that said, they got themselves here. They got themselves into that mess. What about this Alex Smith, Smith deal? Is this what they should have done? Was this their best way out? What do I think about that? I think the strategy is okay. It's okay. I'm, I, I'm all right with it. Um, I don't love it. I don't love parts of it. I do like some parts of it. I don't think that they completely botched this. I, I wouldn't agree with those parties saying right now that they got fleeced. I think they were in a tight spot, again, clearly of their own doing. But I think their effort to get out of it with this is is reasonable and justifiable, and and there's there's still there's still a little bit more in this story to be played out. Not ob- only obviously in terms of how he does and how Cousins does to some extent wherever he ends up, but um you know I'm not I'm not entirely sure that that this that that the actual roster implications of this move even even just at the 
face value have, have really yet been fully realized. In other words, I'm not yet quite 100% that he's straight walking into free agency, which I'll come back to. But yeah, I think overall they did okay here. And, and I don't think this is really going to come back to haunt them like the RG3 deal did or like the McNabb deal did. Uh, I think this stands a chance of allowing them to save some face. Alex Smith is a good player. Uh, he, he's a very similar player to Kirk Cousins in many ways. I mean, similar just, just sort of in their overall level or value or maybe ranking among the uh you know the the quarterback totem pole I think they're they're close in in overall value in terms of how they're regarded within the NFL and I'd put them both in the same category which I think I want to describe as deluxe game manager and occasional playmaker I think game game manager has come to have fairly negative connotations, and I think that's kind of unfair. I mean, you absolutely want your starting quarterback to be able to manage the hell out of a game, and both of these guys can. They're competent, they're smart, they're good decision makers, respectful of the football, and I absolutely know that Jay Gruden values that. But I think the idea and the partial reputation for both of these guys that they that they don't really make plays or elevate players is flat-out wrong. I saw that many times in Cousins, and, and I've seen it from Alex Smith, and in the granted, less less I've watched of him, but um, but but certainly some. Both guys have this reputation for being kind of dink and dunk, and it's, in my opinion, just not deserved. Um, neither one is especially prolific or frequent downfield passer, but both have been ranked highly in recent years by resources like uh, Pro Football Focus for being accurate and efficient in their deep passing. Both guys are highly mobile and able to make plays with their legs. In both cases, I think maybe more on script than off, but I think uh, running was becoming a more important element of Kirk Cousins' game, and it, it is definitely established as a key element to Alex Smith's game. Alex Smith is a guy that's going to command the huddle. He's going to command the respect of his teammates. I think he's going to be an instant hit in the locker room. I think he's going to be a terrific fit with Jay Gruden and his sort of West, Coast, West Coast-ish based scheme, more reliant than many others on short passing and rhythm and timing. I don't think Smith is going to have any, have any trouble identifying his best and most impactful playmakers and feeding them. He's clearly able to do that in Kansas City with Kelsey and eventually Tyreek Hill and this year Kareem Hunt. I think the, the threat of, of Smith running is, is really going to be of great benefit to the Redskins' pathetic running game. And I'm pretty sure they're going to do something in the draft or free agency at, at, at the running back position, which will help too. But I, I really think that Alex Smith... Um, in his ability to eventually master the offense and the threat he'll pose as a runner will help out maybe uh, to a lesser extent, but in the same way that, that RG3's legs did for Alfred Morris when they were both rookies. He brings a, a great deal of experience. He's played in many playoff games. I, I recognize that his record's not great. It's two and I think maybe five in the playoffs, but hey, he's got two playoff win, wins under his belt, and that's two more than Cousins has been able to manage to this point. So I'm cool with Alex Smith. I think he's a good fit. I think he'll be extremely competent and probably better than that. He's been to the last three Pro Bowls, and I think Jay Gruden is going to scheme him into some really good positions. Now, what do I think about his age? Uh, you know, he's four years older than Cousins, you know, so, hey, I guess he's closer to the end of his career. But, you know, 33 as a quarterback is really not that big of a deal. I've seen him described as now entering the twilight of his career, but I think he's pretty much right smack dab in his prime or maybe the end of his prime, but um, 
I don't expect his skills to deteriorate significantly, barring big injury, you know, over the next two to three years. And so if he does bring you that stability that you were clearly not going to get with, with Cousins committing, that's a big part of what the Redskins were clearly trying to do here. And that, of course, leads me into the contract. So the rumored contract is that they've added four years to the one remaining year of control they would have had at, I think, $17 million. And I think his cap number is supposed, supposedly going to stay at 17 at a very affordable 17 for 2018. But they added four more years, which is going to turn the average annual value, I think, to 23 or 24 which, of course, is what they paid Cousins this year. The guarantees are supposed to be somewhere around 70. Now, we'll see when the actual details come out, which I guess won't be until it's finally processed in March, exactly what kind of guarantees they are and how meaningful. But my strong suspicion is that this is going to be a deal the Redskins can get out of if they want to after three years and maybe after two years. I realize that not everyone is, is under that interpretation at this point, but I really think that's how it's going to look when we've seen the numbers. So Alex Smith in his age 34 and age 35 seasons and maybe age 36, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I don't think he's going to take a McNabb, a McNabb-type dive here at all. I think he's going to remain hyper-competent through the period over, over which the Redskins are essentially stuck with him. $23.5 million a year or whatever it is might sound pretty expensive right now, but I guarantee you that one year and especially two years from now, you're going to be looking at that like it's nothing. Over a dozen guys are probably going to lap him in the next two years. Now, you could ask yourself, okay, fine, maybe it's not a break-the-bank type contract, but, but the Redskins really saved themselves that much as compared to paying Cousins at the top of the market. I think that question's kind of moot because it's pretty clear at this point he wasn't even going to accept top of the market. Comparing them at this point is basically apples and oranges. But either way, yeah, I think that probably the Redskins, you know, with this deal that's, that's as it's been announced, it's probably significantly less than what Cousins is going to eventually make from whoever bids highest for him, or at least is less than, than what he could make if he's trying to max out. That should, I emphasize, should allow the Redskins a little bit more of this cap flexibility that they want to be able to attract newer and better free agents to support Alex Smith as his cast of contributors. Now, will the Redskins be able to apply that money correctly and wisely and shrewdly? I think you'd be very appropriate in having serious doubts about that because they've generally not been able to do that consistently in overlong periods, even with Scott McLuhan when he was in the fold. The Redskins are just flat out not masters of free agency at any point in the last several decades. There have been some hits, but there have been a lot of misses. So this little bit of extra cap space that they're getting by choosing Alex over Kirk and by not having to franchise Kirk again, especially, I think it might look a little bit better now before it's spent than it will after, after it has been, or at least after the dust has settled. So I told you what I think about the player and a little bit about, about my understanding of the contract, but what about the compensation for, for this guy? If it had been just a third-round pick, I think everyone would, would agree that, that it, was, it was fair and reasonable. But it wasn't. They included a player, a player to be named later. And when the player was named later, the player was Kendall Fuller. And that absolutely sucks. There's no way around that sucking big time. That part sucks. They probably shouldn't have done that. Kendall Fuller, I could make an argument that he was the, the worst player on the team to trade. Maybe, you know, one of the top two or three least tradable players, at least. 22 years old, two years left of control at a, at a pittance, less than a million. Ascending and, and apparently one of the highest ranking or maybe the highest graded defensive players on the team last year. 
He was a stud at slot corner this year. I think he will eventually be a stud in, in a transition to boundary corner if, if the Chiefs want him to do that, and I think they probably will. And I think here the thing that really pisses me off, it's not so much that he's homegrown. I think that's overrated. Or at least the idea of him being a local kid doesn't really matter that much to me. But my problem with this is the whole point of not breaking the bank on Kirk Cousins, of refusing to do so at every juncture, was ostensibly that, that the Redskins didn't want to hamstring themselves into not being able to put a strong supporting cast around him, especially a defense. And the type of player that you're going to want to acquire with the money you save by not paying Kirk Cousins is Kendall Fuller. It's a guy exactly like Kendall Fuller. It's a very young, very talented, consistent, high-character player. That's who you're going to be out there trying to buy. And your defense already is not good, and you just sold one of them. Seems a tad counterproductive, don't you think? Now, I get that I'm putting that in a vacuum and I'm oversimplifying a little because the fact of the matter is you got to give up something to get something. And quarterback is the most important position. And it, it has become clear that, that Alex Smith was considered a hot commodity and Schefter reported that six teams wanted him. And several, including the, the Jets and, or sorry, the Browns and Cardinals, have been very definitively confirmed as, as being involved as late as yesterday. And it may be that the Chiefs identified Fuller as a key part of this trade. I mean, I mean clearly they valued him. Um, and, and they may have just said it's him or we're not doing it. And they'd have been smart in identifying him as a player of that caliber. So maybe the Redskins had to do it if they wanted Alex Smith. But, but it's, you know, it's completely fair to wonder if the inclusion of Kendall Fuller tipped this thing in, into a prohibitive over, overpay. It certainly makes it hard to say that they won the deal up front. I mean, they didn't. I don't think, I don't think the balance tips towards the Redskins in this deal. They didn't win. They got backed into a corner. And, and, you know, there's, there's some element of desperation in this deal, and they, they did what they had to do, but they probably gave up more than they got back. Now, if Smith is a huge success, and he takes the skins to the playoffs three times and deep once, that doesn't really matter. It, it, it will have been a hit. It will have been a home run. So the passage of time is required to figure out if this was smart or not. But the loss of Kendall Fuller is a huge kick in the balls, no doubt about it, no way around it. I don't like the idea of saying that the third round pick is kind of accounted for because the Redskins will automatically be getting a, a third round compensatory pick when Cousins signs elsewhere. Or at least I really don't like the idea of saying it doesn't matter that they included a third round pick since they'll be getting one that way. Because they'd have been getting that third round compensatory pick whether they traded one or not. I mean, that was theirs. That, that was an asset that they, that they, could, they could expect to have. And there's nothing wrong with having two third-round picks. Now, of course, I guess the one they traded was this year, 2018, and, and the one they'll presumably be getting back is next year, 2019. But the pick's not a giveaway. It's not a giveaway. They could have used both. And certainly that plus Fuller was a high price to pay. Now, coming back to something I teased a little at the beginning, I'm not quite as ready as many others to assume that it is absolutely guaranteed that the way Cousins formally exits the Redskins is by simply coasting unmolested into free agency if he were to do that then presumably presumably the Redskins would be in line for this third round pick in 2019 although I might add that if they decide to get frisky in free agency that year or rather this year I guess they could absolutely lose that pick I mean that that could get neutralized if they go out on a big spending spree and sign Allen Robinson so please keep in mind that that pick is not guaranteed but bringing it back, I'm just really a little bit hung up on the idea of letting him walk for essentially nothing. 
I mean, think about that. Think about how bad that is. I mean, that, that's really what we've been focused on all this time when even over these last few months as it started to become more clear that, that he was eventually going to be departing. I mean, we all agreed that the idea that he might eventually leave for nothing without compensation for a, for a, you know, a top, top 10, top 15 type QB1, we all agreed that that was a horrible outcome, a pathetic disaster of an outcome. If after deciding these many years not to pay him or trade him, that he would eventually leave somebody, somebody's a commodity like this in such high demand that he might eventually leave and fetch you nothing in return, we all agreed that that was a terrible outcome. And if, and if ultimately that, that's what happens here, it'll be a terrible look for the, for the front office. But if there's one or, or two things about Bruce Allen, one is that he really hates looking bad. He cares a lot about his reputation in the fans in the, you know, among the fans and in the media. He's super arrogant and conceited. And he's tight. He's stingy. He, he hates looking like he's lost. I mean, he loses constantly, but we know he hates it. Sometimes he's oblivious. But, but tonight, here in this moment, I'm finding it very hard to believe that, that he, he couldn't scheme up a way to avoid that. And I'm not so sure he's ready to settle for that. And so I'm just still thinking that, that maybe the chance that he's going to try and do a, a tag and trade of Kirk Cousins here is not zero. I certainly don't think it's high. I'm not telling you to expect it. I don't have some kind of tip on it. And I'm absolutely not banking on it. But let's just say, hypothetically, for the sake of argument, let's say that they do it. Let's say that they try to tag him. Now, the money would be hard because if they tag him and he signs, all that money hits your cap straight up. So if they franchise tag him, I mean, that's boom, $35 million on your cap. And having Alex Smith under contract, I'll be honest, I, I don't fully understand all the logistics of that. I think it would be possible to have them both, even for just a few seconds, under contract at the same time. It would absolutely be difficult and complicated. I recognize that. But if they did it, and they proposed to him or offered him the choices of, number one, not signing it and holding out. Number two, signing it but not playing. If they told him, you're going to be inactive all year. You're going to make an absolute mountain of money, a ridiculous boatload of money, but we're not going to play you because Alex Smith is our quarterback. Or if his third option was to play ball, to, to cooperate, to sign it, and then, and then cooperate with sign and trade. No doubt after hours of, of back-channel discussion with his preferred team and destination. I just don't think it's a given that he wouldn't choose to dance. I, I think he might. I don't think he would hang... I, I don't think his moral code <laughs> would allow him to sit out or to choose money over playing. And I, I guess maybe, you know, to use this, this whole idea, just philosophically, to, to use his, his integrity, his character against him somewhat spitefully like that. I mean, it's kind of gross, I guess. But first of all, I certainly wouldn't put that against Bruce Allen. And secondly, I'm, I, I kind of just think all's fair in love and war here. I mean, in, in, in some ways, Cousins put the screws to the Redskins. And I do think that, you know, they have a right. It's their prerogative to try by really any means necessary within the rules to recoup some value for this asset. For all the many ways I, I think they've underestimated and, and slighted him, you know, they did draft him, they did develop him, they do still own him. And if they can get something good for him, anything good, without completely screwing him, they should. And I don't think that would necessarily be completely screwing him. I think it would be shrewd. Now, you know, th this is such a long shot that I've already spent too much time thinking about it and, and talking about it. But I just wanted to be known, I guess, that I, I'm not, I'm not really ready to completely concede, like most others, that uh, that the tag and trade is is all the way off the table. 
I believe it's mathematically possible, and I think that it is practically attemptable. So we'll see. Lastly, I'll, I'll address this question I've heard posed. Does signing Alex Smith to a multi-year contract sentence the Redskins to semi-permanent mediocrity? And I think the answer is no. I think Alex Smith is a good enough quarterback that he could take a team to the Super Bowl if he had good parts around him. And with the cap continuing to escalate, I don't think he'll be so expensive that a good team, a smart, savvy team, could not put the appropriate pieces around him. I think what sentences the Redskins to mediocrity is not going to be Alex Smith. It's going to be the guys we've been dealing with for a long time already. It's Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen. They're bad leaders with messed up priorities, and they're holding us fans hostage, and they are absolutely standing in the way of sustained success. So that, my friends, is your much, much bigger problem, whether this individual move works out or not. 